don't believe everything you've heard. Today, we address some common myths across our industry about sustainable aviation fuel. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news and information. SAF, biofuel, SAF. By whatever name you may call it, sustainable aviation fuel, partially derived from any of a number of renewable feedstocks, has been a growing part of business aviation for more than a decade. And thanks to efforts by NBAA, fuel suppliers, aircraft and engine OEMs, and others across our industry, awareness and use of SAF continues to expand as operators recognize its substantial benefits toward reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Now, despite the amount of time SAF has been around, however, there continues to be a few myths, half-truths, and even outright falsehoods about these fuels. And today, we've assembled a panel of experts who know firsthand the true effects from SAF in aircraft and engines, and about the fuel's tremendous potential to help our industry become carbon neutral by 2050. We'll begin with Charles Etter, a staff scientist and technical fellow at Gulfstream, who's responsible for the manufacturer's environmental strategy and regulatory affairs. Now, Charles, I checked my notes, and you and I first spoke back in 2013 for an article I was working on back then about what we then called biofuel. So clearly, sustainable aviation fuel has been around for some time. But for those who may still be wondering, what makes SAF different from conventional jet fuel? Or perhaps a better question, is it actually so different? Let's talk about conventional fuel first, conventional jet A. So every batch of conventional jet A must meet a series of about 20 plus fuel tests. And the results of those tests are documented in what's called a certificate of analysis, which you should get with every load of fuel that you get. And this covers composition, volatility, fluidity, uh, combustion, etc. So on that certificate, it will state that the fuel meets the requirements of ASTM 1655. So the certificate of analysis as all of those tests for conventional jet fuel, at the end of it, it meets ASTM 1655. The SAF blend, and I want to emphasize again, based on today's approved fuels, once it is blended with conventional jet A, it must meet the same fuel specifications as conventional jet A. So these same 20 plus fuel tests. Prior to blending, the neat or the unblended portion goes through a series of similar fuel tests that are appropriate for that pathway. And then once it's blended, again, it goes through those same 20 plus fuel tests. So the blended SAF and the conventional fuel have to meet the same specifications. There's no negative performance impacts with SAF. There's no changes in maintenance practices. There's no changes in defueling practices. I always like to say, it's not like Jet A, it is Jet A. And just to drive this point home, Charles, it's compliance with that ASTM standard that ensures SAF functions identically to straight Jet A in business aircraft. Exactly. And you, you will find that in the airplane flight manual under the limitations section, it will tell you, you know, the list of approved specifications or fuel that's approved for that airplane. And of course, ASTM 1655 is one of those specifications. 
For how long has Gulfstream used SAF? Gulfstream has been working with SAF and using SAF basically since 2011, so over 10 years now. The G450 flew uh, from New Jersey to the air show in France. That was back in 2011. And since then, we've signed an agreement in 2015 with World Field Services, and we started receiving SAF blend in 2016 and have done so basically ever since. Today, we've purchased more than 1.8 million gallons of SAF. And between our own fleet and what we've sold to the customers, we've had literally hundreds of flights on sustainable aviation fuel. That G450 Charles mentioned was powered by Rolls-Royce turbofans. And to tell us how that company's work with SAF has evolved in the time since, I'm pleased to also welcome to this discussion Frank Mosta, Senior Vice President of Strategy and Future Programs for Rolls-Royce. There have been hundreds or thousands of flights with SAF, so there's quite a bit of experience and usage of SAF in, in our products. But today, this was obviously on a lower blend, but today our, all our products are, are certified to a 50-50 blend, so it means that they can be used with 50% SAF and 50% kerosene. I know that, that Charles is running at a 70-30 blend, so 30% uh, SAF and 70% kerosene. It, it's more an availability issue rather than a capability issue. But what about a flight operations real-world experience with SAF? To tell us more about that, here's Nate Deach, Assistant Aviation Maintenance Manager at Netflix. Here at Netflix, we committed with our green initiative to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions by the close of 2022. And so as a flight department, we kind of went all in with that as well to do what we can. And so when a SAF blend became available at the Burbank Airport, we started using that exclusively on our corporate shuttles, which are our turboprop aircraft primarily. And since then, since we started using that and tankering fuel with those aircraft, we found that there are no extra maintenance requirements going into it. We weren't sure. We didn't have all the answers. I didn't have a relationship with Charles and Frank yet. So there were a lot of unknowns for us. But we do know that because of the lower sulfur content and less aromatics in the blend, that the engines burn cleaner and they have not caused any extra maintenance for us. Coming up, we'll tackle some more myths out there about SAF. But first, this word from NBAA. NBAA Flight Plan listeners, are you getting recognized for your leadership? NBAA now offers certificates and other credentials in safety, sustainability, and more. Visit nbaa.org to apply today. We're back now with Nate Deach, Frank Mosta, and Charles Etter, and our discussion about some common myths lingering in our industry about use of sustainable aviation fuels. And now let's bust a few of those myths. Charles, does SAF lead to increased microbial growth in aircraft fuel systems? That's a good question, Rob. I think there's been more of those kind of questions lately. Maybe some people think somehow it's enhanced because the neat fuel is coming from an alternative source, you know, maybe an, an agricultural waste. Uh, I'm not sure exactly why there's this connection, but there seems to be more questions about microbial growth. So I'm going to back up just a little bit and talk about conventional fuel and the, that again, that specification that I mentioned. So back in 2009, the fuel specification was changed to allow more fame, it's called fatty acid methyl esters, in conventional Jet A. So in other words, there was a maximum limit and that limit was increased. That was back in 2009. A couple years later, we began seeing, so around 2011 or so, we began seeing more evidence of microbial growth. 
and some of the airplanes. I think there's a piece of this that is linked to the change in the specification. But your question is, does it make it worse or better, basically? I don't have any reason to believe that microbial growth is any better or any worse when you're using a SAF blend versus 100% petroleum. The front end of the refining process is adapted for this feedstock, but the rest of the process is similar to the traditional crude refining process, producing physical fuel molecules that are basically pure hydrocarbons. So there's no extra material that comes through this process just because you're using SAF. Maybe that's the concern. Since this meets the same fuel specs, you know, it's a completely a drop-in fuel. It is fully fungible. And maybe, you know, there's a confusion. Maybe some people have had issues with a biodiesel or an ethanol, and they think that the SAF has similar characteristics, and it does not. My understanding, it is more about handling and storage, when we're talking about microbial growth, and the introduction of water and other particulates in the fuel tank. Um, so basically follow, you know, the recommended maintenance practices to mitigate uh, microbial growth. Shouldn't be any better or any worse. Frank, another myth out there is that using SAF reduces engine performance, when actually it's the opposite of that that's true, right? Yeah, exactly. What we're looking at here is uh, it has a slightly lower density than kerosene, but it has higher uh, energy content, so calorific value. And, and we have tested quite a number of uh, engines now on ground and in flight with 100% SAF, basically a HEFA-based SAF. And, and what we have seen is that the engines, not significantly, but performing better. But the other thing which we have seen as well is that the emissions were better as well. We, we did an, a flight with uh, an, an Airbus A350 with an XWB where we actually measured uh, the emissions and, and it turned out that the emissions were were better than with kerosene, which is fairly obvious because Nate said it, that it's less aromatics and sulfur, so it burns much cleaner. And then again, the ground test and the flight test with our flying test bit of the Trend 1000 showed also on a business aviation engine, the Pearl 700, that operability uh, and, and burning and, and so forth is not affected at all by, by this fuel. And your carbon emissions drop as you increase that percentage of SAF blended with Jet A. Yes, absolutely. Because obviously, as cleaner you can burn, as, as less emissions you have. Nate, another myth out there that we already touched on, but it's worth revisiting. Some still claim that use of SAF actually damages engines. Now, we're obviously dealing with different percentages of some of the contents that make up jet fuel. But just to repeat, in your first-hand experience using SAF, it has not caused any harmful effects for aircraft systems. Yeah, Rob, I think everything that Charles and Frank have set up to this point really helped us solidify the science and the, the operational aspect that these engines are built to perform with Jet A. And like Charles said, for all intents and purposes, SAF is Jet A. So we've seen no problems thus far with our, our maintenance. In fact, like I said earlier, we were concerned going into it that we were going to see fuel filter problems. Uh, we were going to see abnormal soot or coking in the turbines, and we haven't had any of that. And because of the refining process, it is much cleaner. But we're having good luck with it. So when you're dispatching an aircraft burning an SAF blend, Nate, are there any special notations or procedures associated with that trip versus when you're using conventional Jet A? Uh, that's a great question. No, we haven't changed any of our procedures. We burn a SAP blend just like we burn regular Jet A. We do make it apparent 
when asked that we are doing our part and using SAF on the aircraft. Uh, we don't have any placards or decals on the airplane that say that, but it is something we've talked about. But we're very proud of the fact that we're doing what we can to use sustainable aviation fuels. What about for our OEM representatives? Frank, are there any special procedures Rolls-Royce recommends when using SAF? Not at all. As Charles described it at the very beginning, as long as the fuel is ASTM approved, it is being used like Jet A, and this is Jet A. So there's no special processes and procedures. And as I said, we are obviously have certified our products to a 50-50% blend. If now Nate or or Charles is coming to me tomorrow and say, Frank, we want to fly with 100% stuff, then it's a different ball game. And obviously we need to give him a, a special approval, but this is only as long as 100% stuff is not part of the ASTM specification. Our products, we, we aim for having all our products uh, compatible with 100% stuff by 2023. Next year, wow. Charles, you've been flying with SAF at Gulfstream for more than a decade. Any special tips or lessons that you have from all that experience? The short answer is is clearly we do not because this blend meets the same specification. But let me talk to it just a little bit more. So as background, you know, the basic technical requirements is the fuel meets, you know, ASTM 1655, just like conventional Jet A. But there is a process that is covered by industry and Gulfstream is part of that process, and regulators are part of that process, and that process is the approval process for these fuels. So, we, in fact, we are engaged in the very beginnings of the of the approval process. The process is actually outlined in ASTM D forty fifty four. In twenty twelve, Gulfstream issued through our what's called maintenance and operations letter to all of our customers, basically confirming that SAF is approved for use in our aircraft. So this MOL was updated in 2020, and it takes into account this all the newly approved pathways, you know, at the time. And this MOL mentions, the maintenance operations letter mentions the various pathways that are approved under ASTM 7566. And then once that it's approved under 7566. Basically, it's re-identified as a 1655. We also have a statement in our flight manual that addresses this approval of SAF. Of course, it's in the limitation section where you find all the other specifications. And it basically says that SAF meets ASTM 1655 and it's approved for use in our aircraft. So now that we've addressed some of the most common myths about SAF, Charles, what would you tell others considering the use of these fuels in their flight operations? This question speaks to the heart of the issue. There is an inherent environmental benefit to using staff versus conventional jet A. The environmental benefit includes the lower CO2 emissions based on life cycle analysis, less particulates, you know, kind of less sooting, basically burns cleaner, has already been mentioned. It also has a potential to reduce condensation trails, the production of condensation trails, you know, and that also is a greenhouse gas that impacts greenhouse gas. You know, this is where the SAF, the neat portion, is superior to conventional fuel because it has these attributes that are better for the environment. As Frank mentioned, SAF typically has more energy content and hence you will use less fuel on every flight uh, for the same mission. And in the broadest sense, if the industry is going to meet the net zero CO2 by 2050, then SAF is really part of that answer, right? It's one of the pathways, for, especially for long-range aircraft. I think the biggest issue is going to be, you know, 
availability and price as we go forward. And I hope that by 2025, you know, the availability is greater. And, you know, you'll see it more available and, and hopefully at a lower price. Um, this will take some government policy, you know, that encourages the use of SAF for this to really be realized. But very hopeful that in the next few years, you're going to see an uptick in, in the availability of, of SAF. Nate, what do you tell people when they ask you about Netflix's use of SAF? It's a good question, Rob. We're very proud of it, but it's it's something that we've committed to do to just clean up the environment. But, you know, it's not what's leaving the tailpipe of the aircraft that's that's doing the good here, but it's in the whole production process of the SAF that will help us to achieve this net zero. So anything that we can do at Netflix to help make it a, a better and cleaner place to live, we'll absolutely do that. But I think it's it's important uh, in having conversations with other people in the aviation industry that this is something that's not it's not scary it's not like new science it's it's always been there but it's something that we're doing to improve the world that we live in and if we can do it and I mean our airplanes are burning cleaner and performing better then there's an advantage to it and like Charles said hopefully over time and with some government regulation the cost of SAF will come down as time passes and it starts to come back down and is closer in, in cost to, to Jet A, I think it'll be much more beneficial for all the operators to get on board with it. I think it's the future for our industry, and we're happy to support it. You brought up a great point, Nate, that it's not just about looking at what's coming out of the exhaust on the aircraft. It's about the entire life cycle of these fuels, where we see an even greater reduction in carbon emissions. Frank, what would you like to add about the importance Rolls-Royce has placed on using SAF? We have a very strong commitment uh, towards the environment, and, and we have committed to be uh, carbon neutral by 2050. And therefore, we're pushing this. And, and as an industry, I think we have this responsibility as well. When you look at our technologies, I mean, we can improve uh, the engines basically by 1% uh, SFC performance per year. You can't really get the environmental uh, effectiveness without SAF. So that's the reason why we're pushing stuff so hard. And and we have, for example, introduced a program which is called Safinity. And this is sort of a carbon offset program, but it introduces also stuff into the market. So with this program, we really want to push the use of stuff in the industry to make it more acceptable, available, and affordable as well. Because I think as more is being produced, cheaper it will get. Even as our industry explores new aircraft propulsion methods, including electric, hybrid, and hydrogen power, the gas turbine will be around for some time to come, which is why OEMs are testing even higher concentrations of SAF, up to a 100% blend derived entirely from renewable feedstocks. It may not be much longer before we see those fuels approved for use in business aircraft. For more information about sustainable aviation fuels and business aviation, check out nbaa.org SAF, where you can download Fueling the Future, the Sustainable Aviation Fuel Guide. And to learn more about this and other methods driving sustainability across business aviation, visit nbaa.org environment. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking your virtual assistant or connected device. Of course, you can also download Flight Plan directly from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan. Flight Plan.